0: Hey, welcome back to Patriot to the Core Podcast. I am Thad Forrester and you're listening to episode number twenty six and today we have as our guest Kyle DeFore, who's our first SEAL on the program. And I had a great talk with Kyle, I man. He, he he and I grew up together and so you'll have to bear with us just a little bit. I mean, we were do some reminiscing about growing up in the small northwest Alabama town of Haleyville. But he really he really gives us some insight into, you know, why he joined the Navy and why he became a SEAL and how he never once thought about quitting ever during buds or do I think during anything, but you know, he got seriously sick. He got a, f- a flesh eating bacteria, almost died, uh, while he was in buds. Uh, but man, he, he, you know, he made it through and he ended up becoming a sniper and, you know, uh, a member of an elite East coast team, uh, which you'll know what, what he's talking about when you, when you hear him speak in our interview. But yeah, we had a great time. Um, he, he, he was really serious once he, once he decided he was going to be uh, a seal. I mean, all he knew uh, you can, t- he's just like me, I think because all he knew was Rambo. So he knew green berets and uh, he didn't know anything about Rangers or seals or anything else. So he, he saw that recruiting video, someone special. I'm sure some of you out there know what I'm talking about. I guess I'm, I i do not know if it's used anymore, but it definitely was an old, old seal recruiting video. And that looked like what he wanted to do. So, Man, he he just excelled at his training and uh, became a sniper. And he deployed multiple times. We don't talk about anything specific um, with his missions, but yeah, I mean, just know that he he did some you know, some awesome stuff and was part of some big time missions. And and he loved his service. And he said he he it was an honor for him to serve. And uh, sometimes he regrets getting out after 10 years. But uh, he's a great American. And I just uh, had a great, great talk with him. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please go to iTunes and rate it, and um, and share it, please. Well, Kyle, it's great having you on my show, Patriot to the Core. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, so I wanted to talk first about, uh, you know, your life growing up in the Ville in Northwest Alabama and why you even like, when did you decide you wanted to go in the military and when did you decide you wanted to be a seal? How did all that come about?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, as, as you kind of know, cause I don't know if the listeners know, but me and you are from the same town. So we're, we're both from Haleyville, Alabama. Um, you've got the inside scoop. Um, so I, you know, when we were growing up, I mean, um, pre-internet, I guess we would call it now. Um, I, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. So I think most of us around that area, that Northwest Alabama area, we were going to do probably what our parents did, you know, which was, uh, you know, maybe go to college. I don't even think going to college back then was a, was a hundred percenter. Um, but I think most people around our age were going to college, uh, when they graduated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then generally I think, you know, getting a job, in some way supporting the, the manufacturing housing business. Cause that's kind of what we had there, you yeah, know, right. um, quote unquote mobile homes. So, uh, I mean, that's what my dad did. You know, that's what our, almost our town was built on. Um, whether guys did lumber to support it or they did, you know, furniture or whatever. It was all to support that industry. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of like, man, I don't know. And, you know, I wanted to go to college to play football. That was, that was my deal. Um, you know, when we were younger, you know, junior high into, I guess 10th, 11th grade. And I was decent, you know, pretty decent football player. And that's what I, you know, cause I think when we grew up there, you know, it was like Alabama Crimson Tide or Auburn. And that's what you, you know, that was your, I guess, people you looked up to. So, um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Alabama and play football. And, um, I think as I got closer to graduation, um, I guess, you know, looking back on it now, kind of reality sits in and you're like, well, that's not probably going to happen because various reasons. Probably talent was a little bit of it and size was probably a bigger piece of it. So
0: They didn't appreciate your speed, I don't guess, did they? (laughs) Because you were fast. No, I
1: mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I was fast. I've I've said that, you know, I think, you know... Interviews before or whatever. I mean, I was, I did pretty decent in track, and I think I had like a, I think I was running a, I don't know if it was tenth or eleventh grade. I was running like a four or five forty. So, I was, I was definitely fast, but um, I think I only weighed like hundred and fifty pounds or something like that. So, um, everybody, you know, any college that even remotely talked to me was a Division three, and, um, you know, that's no scholarship. That's basically you know, I think where they do like, uh, help you with tuition or something. And, and then, um, I, I had talked to in, uh, Northwest al or UNA, North Alabama, which, um, you know, Bruce Cheatham, remember him? He yeah. went, to, uh, he was a year before me and he was a defensive back and he went there. And so he kind of like opened that door up a little bit. And then I, you know, the, the Brian Long had gone to UNA before, way before me and you. And, um, you know, UNA was Division Two, and I was like, well, I don't know. I was kind of like, I want to go to UNA. I want to go to Alabama. <laughs> and um, so I think I just realized that that wasn't going to happen. And, and you know, you got to be a realist a little bit. I mean, uh, now looking back on it and knowing what I know now, you know what I wish I'd done? I wish I'd walked on in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, you know, I talk to people nowadays, and it's like, um, and even, you know, you look at like Dabo Sweeney. You know that's like a big one now. Yeah. You know because he's the head coach of Clemson. A lot of people don't real don't know. I remember Dabo. I remember going to see him when we were kids. You know, going to Tuscaloosa and watching him play. And he was his story is like, you know, he was a walk on. I think he was on the scout team for his freshman and sophomore year, and then he got a scholarship. I think like his junior and senior year. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and he was like five foot nothing. A white, he was a white receiver, if I'm not mistaken. He was either a white boy receiver or a white boy defensive back. You know, either yeah, one, but yeah. bizarre. And you know, five foot nothing, hundred nothing, and and you know that that's kind of the stuff I look back on now. I guess kicking myself in, in the tail end, and going, damn it, you know, I should have done it. But um, uh, you know, um, so that's kind of like growing up. You know, besides the normal hunting, fishing, riding motorcycles, you know, swimming at the swimming pool, golfing at the golf course, you know, our normal hangouts back when we were kids. But, um, so yeah, you know, I guess, um, I think it was about my 11th when I was in a junior, I, I wanted to go to, and I, and I don't know the exact dates and I've said this before. I need to talk to, uh, I need to talk to uh Brookie Pulliam cause she'll probably remember, you know, um, when the, um, Whenever, whenever we had that deal when you're like a junior where they tell you, like, this is what you should do for, your, you know, in life. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the big, whatever, conference for students, you know, it's like a, you know, they bring everybody in, the colleges, the military recruiters and all that stuff. And, um, so, I remember kind of getting in my mind I wanted to go in the military but and do like you know wanted to be not not a normal military I wanted to be like an SF guy because that's all I knew back then was Rambo or whatever and um I remember going to that thing and you know all the military recruiters were like on the side in the in the cafeteria and uh the army dude was like this gigantic fat guy. And I just was <laughs> like, Oh my God, not impressed. You know I mean? Which, you know, again, looking back on it, you're like, there's nothing to do with anything in the army, but, um, and he was like, I was like, Hey, I want to go in the S I want to be a green beret." blah, blah. i had never heard of the Rangers. I had never heard of a combat controller. I'd never heard of a seal, never heard of a PJ. All I knew was, was green beret, And, um, I was not impressed with him, so I just went down the line, you know, I was like, Marine, eh, eh, you know, soft wool metal jacket. I was like, eh, maybe. <laughs> you know, I think the Marine guy, like, went to take a smoke break or something. <laughs> and the Navy dude was there and he was, like, super chill. And um, he's like, hey, I remember he had that a TV. This is so weird, because I didn't remember this till just now. but He had, like, the TV with the, you remember how you put the VHS cassette in the in the bottom of it, and it was yeah. play. It was like yeah, a little built mini in. TV. Yep, built-in VCR, and he was playing the Seal recruiting video, which uh, it was called "Be Someone Special," and it was you know the same recruiting video from like 1962 to like 2005 or something. You know, they they just recently changed it, and um, you know, I was like that. You know, look at that. You know, that's kind of cool, right? So, uh, you know, who would ever? I'd never heard of that. I'd never heard of a SEAL. So um, I saw that, talked to him, and of course, you know, the normal, hey, yeah, you can go right there, <laughs> all, all that deal. So um, I, I just, with with that, I was kind of interested in it. So um, from there, I went and started, you know, investigating it and researching it as best I could, which is probably for a lot of listeners pretty weird to understand that this was 1990. Let me think here. Let me get my years right. This would have been like 92,
0: I think. Yeah. Early year, junior year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like 92, there's no, you know, here's what you had. You had a library. <laughs> that was yeah. it. There was no, there's no internet. There's no, there's nothing. And, um, and I found the movie Navy Seals that Charlie Sheen was in. And I watched that and I was like, eh, you know, even back then I was like, you're a little bit hokey, but okay, got it. And, um, What kind of, and I don't think I've ever said this in an interview, but this will be interesting because my mother will remember this, is there, we had a teacher at Haleyville, and I cannot remember her name now to save my life, but she was a, she would, when we were in high school, she would have been like a uh, elementary school, I think maybe fourth grade, Uh, Chambers, Mrs. Chambers. Do you remember Mrs. Chambers?
0: I don't remember Chambers, no.
1: I think that was her name. This is Chambliss. Chambliss?
0: Was it Chambliss? Chambliss. It might yeah. have been Chambliss. I know Chambliss. I had her. My One brother had two. her.
1: Well, she ended up marrying. She got divorced, you know, and she married a guy by the name of Ken Graves. And he was a Vietnam SEAL from, like, Silting 2. And, you know, I, of course, I was telling my mom and dad, hey, listen, I think I'm going to go in the Navy. And, you know, they're like, you want to be a what? <laughs> you know, because nobody back then knows what a seal is. Um, And, you know, you know, I'm I'm sure. I, and I, my mother has told me before, you know, you get obsessed with something as a kid. And that's, you know, that's all they hear. And, of course, we can probably relate to that now because we have kids. But... um I don't remember like, like that, but my mom does. And, um, she, I think she like said something casually to somebody at the school because my, my mom worked at the school. We got to update the listeners here. My mom worked at the school. So, um, you know, she like mentioned something to somebody and somebody was like, yeah, Mrs. If, it, if Whatever her name was, Chambers or Chambliss, whatever. She's married to a, to a guy who used to be a SEAL. And I remember, you know, my mom coming home going like, Hey, I got some good news, you know, and, um, so I went over there and talked to that dude. And, uh, man, I will never forget it. It was, it was wild. It was, you know, cause he was, you know, he's a full on Vietnam frogman, And they lived down, um, I'll tell you where they lived was, uh, oh, the road that's in the curve across from Banks Barbecue, whatever that road was. You know, you yeah. can go down that road.
0: Yep, that goes out But to Miller's uh, Seafood? Is it that one you're talking about? Yep, that's yeah. the one. That That's the one that
1: goes to Miller's Seafood. Correct. They live down that road somewhere. And uh, anyway, so I went and talked to this dude, and that was kind of like, now it was get, getting kind of a sealed deal. Uh, no pun intended. Because, <laughs> um, you know, he was like, just the way he was, he was kind of a hard guy. Um, you know, I was just impressed. I mean, he had to be at that time. At that time he was probably sixty something years old. And um you know, I was like, Man, that's what I wanna that's what I wanna do right there. And um so that's kinda how it started. You know, I know that's a probably a long winded explanation, but that's that's how the whole growing up and thing kinda kinda got going.
0: Okay. So then it seemed like you were really committed because I'll tell you what I remember, you know, you were a grade ahead of me, but we had a class together. Um I believe it was Trig, and I remember you talking, well, first of all, I saw you running around town all the time, and the roads of Haleville are not the most runner-friendly, and, you know, <laughs> no wide shoulders, no no wide roads, really, And uh, but you ran all over the city, all over the town, and then also, I remember you saying, you couldn't, you know, the senior trip was an annual event that the seniors went on to Washington, D.C. and New York, and uh, so it was yep. about a, a week, you'd be gone for a week, and so this was your senior year, and I remember you saying, I'm not going on a senior trip. I can't go that long without running. Or and then you joked, like, I could get out and run behind the bus, I guess, for a while. But, I mean, is that – do you – am I remembering correctly?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, – once I got into it, I was like – and I think I was just taking all that athletic motivation, you know, from track and cross country and football. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be a football player, but I'm going to be a frogman. And, you know, yeah, we started – I started working out and um what I what they do is back in those days you would you know I think I think it was Mr. Graves that gave me the info and I I literally called which again a lot of listeners right now are not even going to know what we're talking about but you picked up a phone with push button dials <laughs> and you dialed 0 and you got the operator <laughs> and you're like please connect me to uh you know Naval Training Center Orlando Florida and, um, you know, back in them days, the Navy had three boot camps. They had Orlando, San Diego, and Great Lakes. And basically, you went to the boot camp for where you were from in the nation. So, obviously, we were from the south. We were going to Orlando. If you were from, like, I think it was, you know, the plain states westward, you went to San Diego. Everybody in the north and the Midwest went to went to Great Lakes, went to Chicago. So, I knew I was going to go to Orlando. So I called down there and I talked to the SEAL on duty, which looking back on it was freaking bizarre. But I was like, hey, you know, I want to come be a SEAL, which I'm sure he took that phone call 100 times a day. Yeah. And I said, what do I need to do? And he sent me in the mail, of course, because there's no email. (laughs) So it was like a package and it told you, like, here's how you get ready for Bud. You know, this is what you need to run. This is what you need to swim. This is how you need to work out. And I got that, I think, when I was in oh god i it probably would have been sometime in my junior year. I don't know when I can't remember when, but um, but yeah, so by the time I was a senior, um you know, I sacrificed a lot of you know a lot of a lot of things I mean, I quit football in my senior year, which you know. There was a there was a lot of people that were not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah if, I remember it wasn't just my dad and it wasn't just my mom. I mean, I I remember you know a lot of the coaches. I mean, I got pulled into basically every athletic office down there, you know, and basically told, "Hey, do you know what you're doing?" kind of deal. And I said, "Well, yeah, you know." And and it was funny because I think I don't think that would happen nowadays. I don't think I don't think parents and or administrators would, would, you know, they'd be like, well, kid, you you know, you can get a D three ride or you can get a D two ride or whatever. Cause, cause even track, I could, I probably, could, you know, maybe it would have been for football, but maybe track because I was, you know, doing pretty well in, in state meets. But, um, anyway, um, so I, yeah, I didn't go to my, the senior trip, you know, again, for, for us, for where we're from, that's a big deal because most kids have never been out of the state, uh, you know, maybe we went to Birmingham a couple of times or something when we were mm-hmm. kids. But, you know, we did that annual senior trip and we busted up to D.C., saw all the, uh, you know, or this is what Haleyville would do. They would bust all the seniors to D.C. and they would check out the Capitol and, you know, Lincoln Memorial and all the, the normal tourist stops. And then they would bust them to New York City. And I think they would see a play in the Empire State Building and mm-hmm. Statue of Liberty, and kind of the normal, right? And then they would, they would drive it back. And that was kind of a big deal because, again, back in those days, the seniors would phone call in to the school, and we would all be sitting. If you weren't a senior, you'd be sitting in class, and the seniors would would say, "Hey, we're at the Empire State Building." You yeah, they, know, it like, was played oh on the radio. God. Yeah, it was played on radio because I was like, you know, and, and people are probably listening to this, going, "Where the hell are you guys from?" <laughs> 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 we're from the we're from the southwestern tip of the Cumberland Plateau. Yeah, we are yeah, yeah. from the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I, I didn't go on my senior trip and that my mom was, my mom was pissed about that. I'll tell you right now. She was not happy. Um, I didn't go to prom when I was a junior, which, you know, my mom was not happy about that one. Um, I went as a senior, um. So, yeah, there was definitely some sacrifice. I would tell anybody that's listening to this, you know, if you're a young kid and you're thinking about doing this kind of thing, I, I you don't need to do that. That's probably a little extreme. I mean, I could I could have went on a senior trip, you know. Um, not a big deal. Go, go on your senior trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go to your prom. Uh, just delay going to boot camp, you know, by a couple of months to get, you know, if you can't run for whatever it is, you know, a week and a half or whatever. But I look back on that now again and I, I probably would do it different nowadays.
0: But you, so you shipped out not long after graduation. Doesn't seem sound, uh, from what I remember. You go to Montgomery, where you end up. You, I don't know where you go from there, but if you can just, because I know you got you went to Buds pretty early, and I'm curious too. Was that common to go to Buds at 18 years old? I think that's how. No.
1: Um. Okay. So I go to. I can't remember. In in Alabama, we go to school. It's not like, I think we're actually a little bit different than a lot of a lot of other states. Back in them days, I think we we started in like what September, first week of September, something like that. And I think we graduated like mid May or something. Is Mid-May, that is that all about
0: right? Mid May, yeah, 18th, yeah,
1: somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere around there. And I went. I I left at the end of May, so I think I had a week or so before uh, before I went to boot camp. Which was a which was an impressive week in itself, if I remember correctly. Because um, there was this, I was like, man, I'm going to the Navy. I was like, every girl that I ever wanted to ask out, I think I asked every one of them out in that week, <laughs> week and a half. And the funny thing is, is like half of them said yes, so I had a real problem.
0: Hey, well, one of those girls, I remember her telling me about you going, in the hotel in Montgomery, and it's like you, you wore the carpet out just from doing all the pushups, you know, so instead of anytime you, you had any downtime, you're just doing pushups and.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't want to fail the PT test, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah, so I went, I think, you know, it was the end of May sometime. I can't remember. Um, I was in Navy. I went down to Montgomery. That was where our processing station was. Um, and I'd been to Montgomery a few times because that's where the state track meet was every year, so I kind of knew the area semi well. Um, but went down there, they bust us from Montgomery to Orlando, Florida. Uh, started boot camp. I can't remember the exact. I think it was May twenty ninth. You know, don't don't quote me on that. Some somewhere in there, but yeah, right after graduation. And I had set all that up. So, you know, when I was a senior, I had basically set it up so that. Um, I knew that the source rating that or quote the job that I was going to have in the Navy would be a job that the SEAL teams would recognize. And this is kind of talking over a lot of people's head probably, but nowadays we don't have that problem in the SEAL teams. It's you're, you're called a special operator, but, but when I came in, you, you had to have a job in the Navy, whether you were a torpedo man or a bosun's mate or a signalman or quartermaster. Now, if you went, if you passed BUDS, you were never going to work in that job. But you had to have a job where, where if you failed BUDS, which is obviously, that's the percentages, you know, seventy-eight percent fail rate. So you, the Navy had to have something you could do for the next four years. So um, I went to Orlando, went to boot camp, and and I thought boot camp was the greatest thing ever. Personally, I mean, or especially in Orlando, guys that have gone to Orlando can tell you. I mean, it was. It's 80 degrees, 90 degrees, you know, it's like perfect weather. And probably the best thing about it is that's where all the girls went. So if you were a girl coming in the Navy in the, the, those days, that's where you went to boot camp too. And girls did not go to Great Lakes back then, and they did not go to San Diego. They only went to Orlando. So um, I thought it was the greatest thing I had ever experienced in my life. <laughs> it was like, you know, women everywhere. Um, Everybody's in decent shape because you know you're having to run, and I mean, even the standards for the normal Navy back then were halfway decent, you know. And everybody's young; and everybody's nineteen or twenty. So, um, and so I guess you so have a shaved
0: head. Everybody, you you stand out, right, when you go out in public. Yeah, but there's no
1: going out in public. Okay. Yeah, you don't. Okay. When you're in boot camp, you don't leave. Yeah, so it's like, okay. I don't know, Navy boot camp's like eight weeks or something like that. Six, maybe I don't know. Eight weeks sounds about right. You know you, you learn navy stuff you know nautical stuff you learn how to you know as as, as the old uh, saying goes fold clothes really well because you have to you know everything has to fit in your sea bag and underneath your 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 rack on the ship um which i never experienced thank god but um so i don't know it's like maybe halfway through boot camp um you know, they ask uh, during one of your little PT exercises, physical training exercises. They say, "Hey, does anybody want to volunteer for a special, specialized unit called EOD, uh, UDT, SEAL Team, or Navy Diver?" And uh, you know, like no kidding, everybody raises their hand. Every male raises his hand. And. Um, so they pull you all aside. You do the PT test. There was, uh, I think we had something like 30 people who volunteered for the SEAL teams back when I in my class, and we had two of us that passed the test. Which, looking back on it, it was that test was really not hard. I mean, I could pass that test right now. You know what I mean? Like, um, not hard at all. But uh, me and this other dude passed it. So they're like, okay, you know, they and it, it's kind of like good or bad, however you look at it. Um, right at that time, once you pass that test, that's when kind of you 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 already get segregated and it's already kind of a specialized thing. Because they're like, okay, you guys passed it, so here's what's going to happen. Every day that your boot camp class does marching or does their version of, of PT, you guys are going to come to me him and, and pt with me and this is the guy that's the seal that's there uh you know he's assigned there um so that was kind of cool so me and this other dude would would run our happy little butts over to the pool and uh you know swim run and work out with the seal who was getting us ready for buds so so, so, yeah.
0: so you shipped out i guess you went to coronado is that right
1: yeah, so I went to boot camp. Um and I got done there. I had to do like I went to a school there in Orlando for like two or three weeks and it was a torpedoman school. Um I don't even I don't even think I finished the entire A school because when you had orders to BUDS, I think they just made you do like a certain piece of it. And it seems like it was three weeks and um and yeah, I went to so I was in Coronado, I was in BUDS And let's see, I would, it was the end of August, beginning of September. You know, I graduated high school in like May, end of May, 1st of June. And I was, I was no shit in Coronado, um, end of August, beginning of September, same year.
0: (laughs) So I've wondered, uh, I mean, I know you grew up swimming so did I, but how did you prepare or did you for it's Like, was there a place you swam in Hydeville? Did you go to the city pool and swim laps, or uh, a pond, a lake, or, or what? Oh, you, you don't you don't know this story? Uh uh-uh. uh
1: I thought I, I I might have never told this. I don't know. I don't know. I do so many interviews, and you know, it just who knows. I just whatever <laughs> people ask. But okay, so it's actually a pretty good story. So here we go. Um, so when I get as I said earlier, when you get that packet from the guy who says this is what you should be able to do, here's what the test is that you're going to take in boot camp. And I read it, and it's like 500 yards, no fins, and you have to do the underwater recovery stroke. That's the only stroke you can do. You can't do freestyle. You can't do anything. That that, that stroke, that stroke only. So first off, I'm like, what the hell does underwater recovery stroke mean? Yeah. So, of course, I call the guy back. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, listen, kid, it's the side stroke except we don't we keep our head we put our head underwater so we when we turn our head we can breathe so we're basically we're not angled in the water we're more you know on plane if you will so I'm like okay kind of get it but okay so what I was doing is I was swimming there at the city pool in Haleyville and um, if you remember the guy uh, Kyle rushing yeah remember him -hmm he ran like like that um, that facility up there, whatever it was called, the the neighborhood facilities building, I think it was called. Yep, that's it. It was like our, our version of a YMCA for everybody that's listening. And we had a uh, there was it was a 50 meter pool, but it had a wall in the middle of it, so really only like 25 yards of it was was actually good. And um, they would let me go in there and swim pretty much anytime I wanted to. Even when it was cold or whatever, so I was I would go up there and I would get my laps in, but I realized like I would time myself with a stopwatch, and because obviously it was 25 yards wide, I could figure out you know how many, what 500 yards was, but, and I was not making time, and I'm like whoa, you know like the run no problem, push ups no problem, pull ups no problem, um, sit ups no problem, swim big problem, so this is where mom comes in, so everybody that's listening don't don't yell at your mother your mother your mother knows sometimes so my mom is like she's, she goes okay here's what you should do and she goes you should go swim at the University of Alabama I'm like okay mom like how am I going to do that and she's like well I'm going to show you so she picks up the phone and calls down there same deal dial zero <laughs> connect me to the University of Alabama you know uh, You know, can I get the pool, you know? And um, so my mom had remembered an article that came out in the paper that when Alabama, when the university rebuilt the swimming pool, I think it was in the early 90s, you know, obviously it's public money. And um, my mom called down there and said, hey, look, this kid needs to learn how to swim. Can somebody down, down, down there teach him? This is what he's trying to do. And um, the coaches were like, absolutely, we can do that, no problem. And I remember my mom – I'm watching my mom on the phone, and I'm like, they, they can – what? How do they know? You know, like, okay. <laughs> so because my mom worked at the school – and this is where this whole thing is, this, this most bizarre story in the history of time. But, you know, I varsity-lettered in the ninth grade for football, and I varsity-lettered in the eighth grade for track. So I had – like I didn't have to go to PE my senior year. I had, I probably didn't even have to go my junior year. You know, I had plenty of stuff. Yeah. So I had, I had enough credits. I knew I wasn't going to college, and I didn't have to do PE. So technically, I was done about noon. My senior year was school, like like classes, like whatever it was, trig, English, history, you know, whatever. I can't remember whatever we took back then, but I remember getting done at like eleven forty five or noon. So my mom talked to the principal whose name at the time was Mullins. I don't know if you remember that dude. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. But uh, Definitely.
1: that was the guy who was the principal. She talked to him and she uh, she talked to Coach Ashley, who was the assistant principal. And she's like, listen, can he go, you know, to Tuscaloosa um, when he gets done and swim? And they're like, yeah, whatever. We don't care. You know, he's out of school. Yeah, that's fine. That that can basically be his his quote-unquote, you know, PE. So every day – I would drive. When I got done with school, I'd hop in my car. I would leave the high school at, like, noon. I would drive to Tuscaloosa, which was probably, what is it, an hour, hour and a half? Hour like and a half, yeah. Yeah,
0: hour
1: You're and a half. You cruising down in the,
0: the silver Saturn? <laughs> is that what it was? Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had, like, uh, I either had the Honda Prelude or the Saturn, whichever one it was, you know. And I would uh, go down to the university. And um, the first so the first time i go down there, the, the two coaches that were there, one was named Sonia and one was named Ray and, um, both women. <laughs> and I show up and I walk in and, um, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm looking for Sonia and Ray. And they're like, that's us. And I said, listen, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get really good at swimming the side stroke, no fins. And I need to be able to do this amount in this amount of time. And, and this is a God's honest, true story. I swear to God, uh, it, one of the two okay, I can't remember of them apart now, but Sonia Ray looked up at me and said, "Oh, are you going to buds?" <laughs> wow. And I was just like, I was just like, "What?" I was like, "Well, I'm trying to, yeah and um and they said, "Yeah, we um one of our one of our all Americans here just graduated last year and and went in the Navy and he's he's in buds right now, like he's in the navy he's in he's in Coronado right now." And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, what are the chances? So they knew. And so you got to imagine this kid is an all-American swimmer in Alabama. He is, you know, obviously him learning the underwater recovery stroke is not a big deal. But they knew it because they had watched him do it so much. So they yeah. knew how to teach it to me. So they taught me how to do it. And I swam, for, you know, I can't remember. You know, we maybe asked my mom. She might remember. I don't know. But I, I went down there. I mean, I put I probably put twenty thirty thousand miles in that car. I mean, you know what I mean? Because I went down there daily. I went down there at least three or four times a week.
0: Dang. Because
1: I knew that was the weak point. And um, and again, you know, that's a lot of sacrifice to be seventeen, eighteen years old. I wouldn't. I don't. I mean, I obviously nowadays you probably don't need to do it because there's more working out facilities and stuff like that. I think available. But uh those girls down there, they got me real squared away. Um. And again, as an eighteen year old boy, it was you know being at the University of Alabama with their swim team um, <laughs> was not was not a bad deal no. at all. No. Um, I mean, like, not a bad deal. So that was kind of cool. Um, you know, a sidebar to that story is, you know, three or four years later, when I was at SEAL Team 2, I met the guy who who Sonia and Ray had trained. He, me and him, we served together at SEAL Team 2. So awesome. Kind of cool. Yeah, that's yeah, Kind of came full. Yeah, I mean, it's like what's the chances, right?
0: Yeah, um, I, mean, I had no anyway. idea that's what you did. I, I've wondered if you, you know, broke into the city pool at night, mm-hmm. or if you, you know, went out on a you know, at Bear Creek, or what you did. So, yeah, because you, you gotta—the biggest thing is you gotta—you gotta understand how to do that stroke efficiently.
1: Because, um, and a lot of people always ask, why don't you guys just do freestyle? And enemy's just not. Freestyle is just not a, something that's going to be done normally, um, obviously, when you're swimming across the beach or whatever, you know, on a real-world type thing. So that that's the reason we do that stroke. Um, but, yeah, so that's the story, man. That's that's how I learned to swim,
0: basically. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you to um, – and I may have my terminology wrong because I'm not sure if it's different than Navy. But in the course of your training, before I think before you are assigned to a team, you went to SEER – and I want to tell you a story. I remember when Mark went, um, and I don't know, did y'all go to Washington for SEER, or did y'all go somewhere else? Um
1: now I didn't SEER SEER training is not in was not in the pipeline for, for SEAL team when I went when I came in. Okay. You went later. Like after you were at your SEAL team, you would go. So you would either go to Maine or Washington. Okay. Um, you know, and then and there's different levels of that, too. So um, I have been through all levels. <laughs> so um, I didn't go until later, though. I, I had probably been in the steel teams, you know, a couple, three years before I went.
0: Okay. So you're, you're a great person to ask this question. And I remember Mark telling me at one point they're doing, I guess it's interrogations. And so um, they're asking for volunteers, I think. And so Mark just raised his hands, like I'll volunteer. You can interrogate me and torture me. And so they jumped on him and said, "You never ever volunteer if you're held captive uh, to be interrogated." So I just wonder, is that what y'all taught? They they taught you, and and why is that?
1: Well, I think the thing is, is that you know if you volunteer for something like that, obviously you're looking for one of two things. You're either looking for a way out of the situation. Or you're looking to control the situation, right? Or maybe a combo of both, you know? But yeah, that how, that would not be a that would not be a, a, something that I think any any seer school is going to ever recommend that you volunteer <laughs> for anything when you're captured. I mean, um, you know, <laughs> it, we kind of joke about it now in a morbid way, but I mean, it's kind of true. I mean, with with our current enemy situation here's you know, seer training is not that hard because you're going to get your head lopped off. So, I mean, it ain't, you know what I mean? If you yeah, get captured, right. you're, you're done. So,
0: I mean, you get humiliated uh, by being naked. They strip you down naked in front of women, right? So that's your, that's nothing. Yeah. Like but I head mean, like,
1: <laughs> you know, for, uh, I mean, I, yeah, it was not like, it, it, honestly for us, that's kind of more, and, and Mark too, same with PJ. So like, all the, all the guys that have been through a hard selection course, I mean, like it, you know, sphere school is just check. you're just checking the block. You're just like, hey, we yeah, we have to do it, so we go, you know, whatever. But, I mean, like, yeah, it's stripping you down in front of a woman. I mean, most of, <laughs> I don't think the reaction that they got from the frogmen was probably what they want. <laughs> um, no, it was not, you know, not a big deal to me. <laughs> I think it was more for most of us, they were like, do not touch the instructors. You know, do not touch the instructors, you know. <laughs> That's what I remember about Sears School. I mean, it was not, it was such not a big deal. You know, like there, I had a day at Bud's that was harder than all of Sears School together. You know what I'm saying? Like, what was it? It, it was just not like any day. I mean, there's tons of them. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, you know, because Bud, I mean, it's like, you know, the Discovery Channel shows you what they want to show you, you know, what the Navy wants to show you. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, you know, like they – you know, instructors out there get get physical with you in Coronado. Um, I mean, they're not, like, hitting you in the face or whatever with a closed fist. But, I mean, they're going to, you know, move you around and whatnot. And then you got to remember that you have to do all these things because, if, you know, if they say, hey, you know, go get wet and then come back and give us, you know, 30 push-ups or whatever – well, I mean, if you can't do it, then they'll, you know, they can just they can just say, "Hey, failure to perform. This is not this is a guy who he's just not in shape enough to do this." You know, they can do that. I mean, um, hmm. so so you know, what I mean, like it's and seer school is more of c- trying to trying to do a learning thing, really it's trying to show people, like you know, I guess a little bit about uh, you know a little bit of hardness, but I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, like seer school is not. Cause what can they do to you? They can't, they can't really hit you. I mean, they can open hand slap you, but it's like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's just not a big deal. I mean, you know that they're not, I mean, how long are they going to make you go without food? A week? You know what I mean? It's okay. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I went without water for a day. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're in a training environment. Um, You know, it, it, you know, what is this, this? they're not going to do anything that, that's that hard. It's more of a, and it really should be looked at for the student too as more of a, a learning environment like because those are lessons learned from POWs in Vietnam and you know World War 2 and uh that's kind of where all that stuff comes from buds is more of you know hey we're going to you know do, first off can you perform number 1 number 2 uh even though you think you can we're going to break you down a little bit um and that's and the whole it's all built on the fact that you want to be there you know you want to make it through you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Sears School's like, hey, we're going. It's not like it's a, you know, Sears School doesn't have a, I don't even think it has an attrition rate, <laughs> you know, like 1% or something. I don't know. I mean, probably not a lot. But, uh, I mean, I just remember we were very like, most of us were like, okay, this is it. It's not really a big deal, you know? <laughs> like, but I, but I, you know, probably a lot of that's akin to going through Buds, you know, because you're kind of, obviously you get kind of hardened up, you know, right, wrong, you're... or indifferent. Like, there... look at things a little bit different.
0: Was there ever a day, a moment in Buds where you thought about quitting or want, wanted no. to quit?
1: No, never. never.
0: I mean, and that's the thing is
1: when you talk to guys that have been in it, I mean, like, all the guys that I know, everybody's like, oh, fuck no. You know, there's no way I was quitting. That's not happening. Like, it's just not happening, you know. I, I think that, I mean, I've heard a couple of dudes say, you know, like, yeah, there was days I wanted to quit. I'm like, really? <laughs> You know, maybe that's, maybe that's why you didn't do good, too good when you got in the teams. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. No, I never thought about that. I mean, now there were days where I was like, you know, they would throw in that, you know, two time runs in a four day period kind of deal and you're still sore. You know, there was, there was definitely days where I was like, damn, I don't know if I could beat my old time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, there was, but that's more of a performance thing, you know. You either, you go as hard as you can, you either can or you can't do it. I mean, and you know, if you didn't do it, they'd beat you a little bit or whatever, get you cold. But um, no, I never, I never thought about quitting. I mean, no. yeah, I mean, I, I fed, I fed off the people that quit. I mean, and we had a rough, we had a rough hell week. You know, we one ninety nine had a, we had a rough, we had a winter hell week. I think our, our hell week was like. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was either last, end of January, beginning of February, I wanted to. It was not, you know, everybody's like, how cold can it get in Southern California? And it's like, hey, man, very. <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah. Well, i <laughs> yeah, the, the water is the definitely cold. Yeah, the water, I think, is like 55, 60 year-round, so it's cold anyway. And then, you know, you throw in some. 50-degree air temp, 40-degree air temp, you know. Mm-hmm. yeah, You got some, you got some issues, but, but, yeah, I mean, I fed off that. I mean, most of the guys do. You know, you talk to any of the guys like me that, you know, we've been around for – I mean, I don't really consider myself a – you know all my friends did 20 years. I only did 10. Um, But even, like, as a 10-year guy, I mean, like, all the dudes that were around when I was around, you know, you look back on it and you're like, God, you know, like – I mean, I would go through Buds again. I mean, you probably physically couldn't now, but, like, it would just be fun. You know, there's no (laughs) thinking involved, really. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, show up on time, put out, don't, you know, don't quit, uh, which is, you know, you've already developed that attitude, so that's not really a big deal, you know? And it's like you get to play in the sand in Southern California. How hard is that? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like, I I think that's the way a lot of us think nowadays, because, you know... Some you, people make it a little more dramatic than it is, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, maybe you should be a motivational speaker for, for kids thinking about going to the Navy. That, that'd be good.
1: Yeah, the problem,
0: see, the problem nowadays is they're recruiting triathletes.
1: That's the problem, you know? And and these triathletes, they don't, you know, it, this is just my opinion based on what the Navy is trying to do to try to up the graduation rate of Buds, which it's never worked, by the way. It hasn't worked since 1962. You know, they tried to get w- rid of winter hell weeks. That didn't work graduation rate stayed the same you know they've tried to recruit triathletes graduation rate stays the same yeah i think it's just a program that you know it has unscrewed itself along the way one because of the longevity you know it's uh realistically it's about seven months long it's i think it's 26 weeks of training but then you got like two or three weeks on the front end and the back end, you know what I mean, to get all your shit together before you guys start, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so it ends up being like seven months. So, I mean, you can be the biggest running god of all time and I've seen it. Everybody's seen it. Everybody had it in their buds class, you know. And those guys, you know, seven months of that is a long time, man. You know, they, um, you know, if they, if they had the perfect formula, they wouldn't need it. You know, the, selection courses right that's kind of what we say nowadays it's like if we could if we could impart our wartime experiences on on a kid in Buds you know we could make Buds shorter we could make it easier because we could test for what we're looking for you know but we can't there's that doesn't exist you know yeah and and Buds is not a, a it doesn't mean anything sometimes anyway I mean there's guys that have done great in Buds They went to their SEAL team. They did great. Um, But, you know, maybe when they got overseas, they didn't do too good for whatever reason. There's various reasons. So there's no, you know, that's kind of the ultimate thing when it comes to this game is it's, there's no, uh, you know, if we had a USB port in our neck that we could plug all this info into, (laughs) we wouldn't wouldn't need experience anymore, would we?
0: That's right. Yeah, you know what I mean? So you... At some point in your career, you, you got, you're able to, I don't know, try out or apply for another East Coast team. And so I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, what can you say about how are you able to be, you know, what did you have to do to get selected for the, you know, quote, I guess, research development test and evaluating team? And, you know, And, you know, what was that process like? And how much different was it than what you'd already been through? Well,
1: I mean, you know, that's, that is uh, that is not like Buds. I mean, Buds is like, you know, kind of beat people down a little bit. You know, you're, you're in the military 100%. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's hard, you know, from, from a lot of different aspects. Whereas, you know, this type of selection course you're talking about is more, um, there's not, people aren't yelling at you. People aren't making you drop do push-ups. You know, that's not what they're doing. They're going, hey, here is what we want you to do Go in and do it. If you can't do it, then you're not you're not what that place is looking for. So, you know, I don't want to – I would call it professional. You know, um, you know, you need to be able to perform at, at that level. So, um, you know, to get there, everybody – you know, the, the guys that are there need to kind of quote-unquote in, invite you. And then when you get there, you have to pass another six-month selection course. And um, that one's a little different. Not only in the aspect where I'm talking about, it's more professional than it is, you know, beating a guy kind of thing. Um, you know, there's also your peers. Your peers do a lot of, you know, they might say, "Hey, we don't like this dude. We don't trust him." You know, whatever, whatever it could be. Um, that has a big impact in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of people might refer to that as good old boy network. And, um, and it definitely is. And there's a reason for that, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely there's, it's not a, it's not as high as a, a, a attrition rate as Bud's, but, um, it's definitely not, there is not 100% of the people who started it are graduating it either. You know what I mean? Yeah, It's probably, probably more like, it's probably somewhere like 50% or something like that. I would say 50% graduate, maybe, maybe as high as 70% graduate, Okay. You know? Whereas opposed to buds, it's you know, you might get twenty or thirty percent of the class to graduate. Maybe. Yeah,
0: that, uh, I mean, it's it's very impressive when people make it through the training that that you have in your life. I mean, has it has it come at a cost? I don't know, maybe physically or family-wise, anything like that.
1: Yeah, I mean. Like I said earlier, I, I think I may, you know, I probably would do the high school thing different, you know? Um, of course it's easy to be a 41 year old man and look back and go, Hey, you know, this is what I should have done. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, if there's anybody listening to this now, they're not, you know, I mean, same as me, they're not going to listen. They're going to do what the hell they want. I mean, you could try to advise them, but I, if I had to do it over again, um, I would probably go to college first because, um. I mean, it didn't really affect me and it, my career in the teams, and it did not affect what I do now, but that's you know it's a different time that was twenty years ago nowadays it's almost expected the college degree thing's almost expected, and it's even almost expected even of our enlisted guys, you know what I mean guys that are they're not going to be officers they're they're enlisted, but it's kind of like believe it or not, the majority of our enlisted guys have college degrees, wow. Um, so, you know, it, I would probably, if I had to do it over again, I'd probably do that. Um, so I'd say, yeah, that, that was definitely, that was a little bit of sacrifice, right? Cause I'm not, I mean, obviously I'm not going to go back to college now. Um, you know, I think family wise, I mean, I think I missed my, I missed my grandmother's funeral, um, You know, I missed my aunt's funeral. I missed my uncle's funeral. Uh, You know, stuff like that. You know, looking back on it, you know, I was never... You know, I didn't have... You know, my kids came about later in my career, so it wasn't that big a deal. Um, But then, you know, there's always, you know, probably I look at things different than normal people, which... You know, it may be good, it may be bad, I don't know, but I, you know what I'm saying, like that probably, there's probably definitely a little bit of sacrifice there, you know, like whereas I'm sure that there are other men who will do something a certain way and I'm not going to do it that way, you know, and that might get old after a while for the family or you or your wife or, I don't know, you know, it's, so yeah, there's probably a little bit of sacrifice in there. Physically, I mean, um... You know, flesh-eating bacteria, that almost killed me. That was not a good one. Um, that was in buds, right? Yeah that, was, yeah, that was really not a good one. Um, you know, I had a real bad hip problem um, probably midway through my career. The Navy, of course, wanted to operate, and I was like, no way. And I ended up, you know, fixing it by going to a chiropractor and, you know, changing a lot of things I did. That was definitely an issue. Um you know, I got hit with one IED in Afghanistan. That was definitely, you know, definitely probably got some, some issues off that. Um, a couple of what they refer to now as hard landings in helicopters, which is kind of funny. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, pre nine eleven, it would have been a crash. Now it's referred to as a hard landing. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, you know, I think I have 500-plus falls. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, there's probably a little bit of physical, but I think the problem is, you know, you, you you get so used to living with that pain, you're like, it's not really pain, I shouldn't say that, I don't want people to miss, like, I'm walking around in pain, I'm not, I'm not walking around in constant pain, I mean, it's definitely like, you can feel the, there's some wear on the body, yeah. you know what I mean, wow. like, <laughs> there's definitely some wear on the body, but I try to just keep a decent PT program now and, and try to keep everything moving, so... Um. Well, you know I never right. got shot. Yeah, I mean I'm doing all right. I just hey, I ran 35 miles a couple of years ago. So. I know.
0: I know and you <laughs> can still do bad, uh you can still <laughs> pop out. How many pull-ups can you do? I know it's over at least 26 or 28 straight. Right
1: right now, uh not that many cuz you know I tore my um, I tore the top part of my pec and you know the 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 I guess the middle part of my trap that's on top of my shoulder, you know, a few months ago. And I'm just now coming back from that right now. I'm probably do about, I'd say 18. I mean, normally I'm good for 20 plus, no problem. But, but man, when that yeah. happened, uh, you know, I couldn't work out for like eight weeks and it was just like, man, Ouch. coming back from that. Yeah. It, it's been, that happened around Halloween of, of 16. So I'm still, you know, here's, here's something for the listeners, don't, you know, don't ever stop PTing because it don't get, it does not get easier. I'm going to tell you that right now. And when you get hurt, you know what I mean? Like the recovery time, when you get older, is just, it's, it's so much longer. doesn't matter how good a shape you're in, the recovery time is just longer, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so probably like 18 right now, which is kind of like, I have self-standards. You know, when you can't do 20, to me, you're like, I'm like, damn it. Yeah. I can't even pass my pers- Kyle's personal PT test. I'm failing right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I on a good day I get 10. So, and I don't know how much better I'm going to get get than that, which is okay, but yeah, that's pull-ups, man. They're It's an awesome workout. They're tough for me.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, it's a I mean, you look at like professional climbers and look at how many pull-ups they can do. You know what I mean, like like strength, right? Yeah. You know, which is a good example, like, you know, just kind of a little humility, right? You know what I mean? You're like, I'm in the military. I can do 20 pull ups. I can do 25. It's like, hey, dude, go hang out at, <laughs> go hang out like in a, you know, um, Yellowstone, <laughs> at some <laughs> of the famous climbing routes, and and go talk to some dudes, and yeah, they'll be knocking out like 40. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's their warm up to go do their route. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, you know, hey man, just as long as you're doing it, you know, numbers are not that big a deal. I don't I mean to a to a point, but you know, ten is good, man. If you can do ten pull ups, I don't care how old you are. You can be a little kid, you can be twenty five, you can be forty five. Ten pull ups is, is pretty decent. That's pretty good, man.
0: Well, they're you know they're pretty strict. You know, there's no kipping, and I I think you're the same way. I think yours are the regular strict pull-ups. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. That kipping thing is not. Those are not pull-ups. You know, no matter what a CrossFitter tells you, those are not pull-ups. You know, Cross CrossFit or what we like to call it military boot camp, but you know with <laughs> sugar on top. I mean, you know what I mean? Somebody marketed military, Marine Corps boot camp and Army boot camp and Buds and Ranger School, and they marketed it, and they, it's called CrossFit.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's gotten huge. I wish I'd, yeah, I wish I'd have thought of it. You yeah, know? I know. Well, uh, man, we, there's so much I'd love to talk to you about. I know now – well, I, for the listeners, I mean, you, you mentioned you ran 35 miles nonstop. I mean, just so they know, you, you did a fundraiser, and you ran – the route that we walk every year to represent Mark's age, you ran it um, almost two years ago now. And so you, yeah. you had you had to, an escort part of the time to help you at some different intersections. But I remember thinking he's going to get chased by so many dogs. I mean, because there's so many, we're out in the country and we have dogs follow us all the time, but we'll have a group, you know, of 60 guys. So we don't really get attacked, but they uh, plenty on follow us. But you, you, you managed to not get bitten by any out there in the country.
1: Yeah, it was only that was only one spot that was bad. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was like it was where we went through like, uh, uh, you know, I think it was the Aunt Jenny Johnson area when you come when you come back out on 243. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was the you know yeah these dogs came out of this yard but I had my blade on me you know and I had already you know, mindset wise, I was like, okay, any dogs that I'll give, I'll give the owner one chance and then I'll do a template on that dog, you know, <laughs> cause there's a, there's a, there's a bloody template for a dog, you know, to kill a dog. So I, I had my, I was running with my blade the whole time cause obviously I'm not, I'm not going to run 35 miles with a pistol. Yeah. So, um, there was, yeah, that one area right there. And I was like, man, this is bad. And I was, you know, you're like 30, 28 miles into it or something like that at that point. And I was like, I can't run faster, you know what I mean, like I can't, <laughs> I'm going to outrun the dog, you know, that's not going to happen, um, so yeah, but I, I was like, get your, the dude was on the Porsche, I was like, hey, get your dog, and he called it back, so it wasn't a big deal, but.
0: <laughs> well, that, yeah. that, that was awesome you doing that, man, when we were we were on about mile 20, I'm going to say about 26, and I called you, and you were sitting on a plane in Birmingham ready to fly back home, so it was just incredible, man, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, um, I told everybody I I, I appreciate you invite me down to do it, and I was like I would have walked it with you guys. I just didn't have time. So I figured, <laughs> well, I, I'll do it, but I'm gonna have to run it because I got to be back at work.
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny. No time, so you just run it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to, uh, in closing, Kyle, you are now. I mean, by the way, there is so much. You're all over. You know, you're all all over the web and. Um, plenty of videos of you uh, your professional firearms instructor so so will you just explain what you do now as your profession
1: yeah so what I do now is um, I teach um, you know basically one of about four things to to the military uh, law enforcement um, and I do civilian classes as well I do you know probably a dozen to to maybe 18 civilian classes a year all over the country so i teach pistol um carbine scoped rifle uh you know or sniper type stuff uh cqb and um that that's kind of it you know those are the big four you know um and i've been doing that i i formed my own company in 2010 so this is our seventh eighth year of business and um we make the majority of our money from the government. You know, I, I have a bunch of military contracts that – and I have some guys that work for me. So that's where the majority of our money is made. Um, and, you know, it's kind of – it's good. I mean, it's – you know, I, I did the best I could in trying to, you know, find a a, a way to make a living off, off what I had done for, you know, the time I was 18 to, to 30 years old. So, <laughs> Uh, there's not a lot of choices out there, um, <laughs> and I didn't want to deploy anymore. So, um, so that's what I do now, and uh, it's it's doing pretty well. Yeah, we're all over the place, so I'm sure people can Google my name and get way more of me than they want.
0: <laughs> yeah, I look forward to attending one of your classes. I mean, and, and you're also a—I know you're a rock climber. You're a ultra runner. What else do you do? Um.
1: I mean, I haven't, you know, the last ultra I ran was, was for your brother. So I haven't, I just, I kind of do maintenance runs. I do, you know, I probably do three or four, four or five mile runs a week right now. I haven't climbed in, in forever. I do an urban climbing class for the military and, and law enforcement where, um, you know, we, we've come up with ways to climb buildings with, with gear and without gear. Uh, that's actually one of the kind of the side, uh, classes that I offer, so most of my climbing nowadays is in an urban area, which uh, is actually a lot more dangerous <laughs> because mm-hmm. a lot of times we can't have rope. Um, just You know, it's just the nature of it. Um, you know, really, I mean, I would say I my motorcycle is probably my outlet, so to speak, when I'm not working, even though I really wouldn't call my work work, you know. Um, it's kind of like having fun, but... Right. But yeah, I ride, ride a motorcycle. Um, you know, I enjoy riding. So I ride all over the place. Um, I ride to jobs, you know, as long as they're not too far, you know, from wherever, you know, I don't want to, I wouldn't ride from coast to coast probably to do a job. Cause I, I just, you know, wouldn't physically be able to make it back to the next job in time. But, but if it's within, you know, a few hours, 12 hours or so, I just hop on my bike and go. So <laughs> other than that, man, just, you know, hanging out, raising kids and, you know, enjoying, you know, as somebody told me the other day, they said, uh, and I used this the other day on a blog post because I never thought about it myself, but somebody said, hey man, you've done a good job of never having a real job. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, I never really thought about it like that, but uh, okay, you know, Um, and and I, you know, I, I, you know, that's again, that's, you know, somebody says that to you, they're obviously, they're they're probably right, you know, I, I probably, I probably don't, i probably don't appreciate it as much as i should but i mean really every day i get to get up you know uh go and shoot guns and i'm generally going there and coming back on a motorcycle or maybe you know on a plane like today or whatever but it's kind of you know, a little bit of travel in there and it's kind of a good good deal man i i i am definitely appreciative of it and um and I, I, I enjoy it right now,
0: man. You're, you're a great American, Kyle. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. And, um, also just, you know, thanks for, you know, your, your, your service to our country. And Now what you do, you know, for our law enforcement and military and us civilians too. I mean, I I would, I look forward to taking one of your classes and you're just a great American. So thank you very much. Anything you want to say in closing?
1: Well, I mean, I appreciate those are very nice words, man. I, I, am a, as I have said before, I'm a small spoke in a very large wheel. Um, you know, uh there's tons of people out there who have contributed to me and my success and, you know, I could I could probably spend another hour plus just going naming people that, you know, even from our hometown that, you know, maybe they don't even know they influenced me, you know. Uh maybe I didn't know until later in life. I uh enjoyed my military service, I really did, you know, and I got out at ten years and there's you know, probably every other day I was like, damn, I should have done twenty, you know, but uh <laughs> So uh it, it was my pleasure to do that. I enjoyed it. Um you know, I lost a lot of good friends along the way. Um but you know, they they you know, they died well. That's what we call it. They died well. They enjoyed what they did, you know. So that's what I try to do now is just kind of honor them and keep uh keep on showing the people who need to know it what I've learned in in 20 plus years of doing this. So, yeah. That's it. Yeah, well. I appreciate you having
0: me on here. It's it's an honor and uh you you reached out to me very quickly after mark was killed and you know you and i hadn't talked and you know since you know you were in high school since you graduated so um i appreciate you doing that too reaching out to me and and telling me you knew some some controllers as well and you know the caliber guys they were and anyway you you there's there was a lot of exchanges back and forth and so much appreciation on that absolutely man that's a
1: you know, unfortunately, we've been we've been touched with a lot of uh, a lot of death on on our side since the war. But uh, you know, it's hard when it's from a small town like me and you are from. You know, and I, you know, definitely wanted to give you and your family a call because that's it's odd. You know, it's not like uh, it's not like being in Fayetteville or Coronado or Virginia Beach. You know, where unfortunately guys are getting killed all the time, and you know the community kind of hardens to it. So um, yeah. Yeah, man, I was, uh, you know, glad to hang out with your dad, your mom, and your family when I came in. That was cool seeing everybody again. Oh yeah, you know, no matter you know, everybody will agree, man. We can't can't have a good war without a combat controller, because <laughs> <laughs> because when when stuff gets really really
0: really bad, <laughs> you're like, hey, can, we need a big bomb right over there now. <laughs> <laughs> hey you see that tree line over there it needs to go bye-bye
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing man people just don't you know it's hard to it's hard to explain to people you know like you know medics and combat controllers you know they do not get they do not get the appreciation they need and they the the credit they deserve because uh you know they they saved a lot of, i would not be alive i'll tell you that right now i would not be alive if it wasn't for some combat controllers 100 percent. so Awesome. I I appreciate your brother and everything you did and the sacrifice your family made too, man. That was, uh, you know, that's that's huge deal. But uh, you know, it's good. You know, he, he your brother died well, so yeah. You know, we appreciate everything he did. He
0: sure did. Well, thank you. Till next time, Kyle. I'd love to have you on again. Maybe sometime later on down the road.
1: Anytime, anytime as well. And we'll see you. Uh, when I'm down at uh, at uh, the scoped range in Alabama, man, you got to come
0: by. I'll be there. Thank you. Thanks, Dad.